invite you guys to Sunday school. Brother Jess got us started off great uh, what, with, with what is a successful church. We kind of went with that today. Sunday school is going to be an interactive thing as far as the adult class goes. So when you come up there, you'll be able to ask questions. We'll dig in deep to the Word. We talked a little bit about the Bible. And what is the Bible to you? And so we got people to answer that and give your ideas on what the Bible really is. And, and what, it, what it can do for you. And what was God's idea of beginning Scripture? Okay, What is His idea in all of this? So we come to the conclusion and we know that the Bible was written for us to reveal God to us. And to reveal God, but to reveal Jesus Christ to you. We talked about that. We talked about how over in the book of John chapter 5, Jesus Himself even said that. He said all of the Scriptures, He goes, you think you're saved and have eternal life through the Scriptures. He goes, but they all point to Me. And I told the, I told the Sunday school, I can preach Jesus from every verse of Scripture in this Bible. Because they all point to Him. I can tie Jesus into every book of the Bible because it's all about Him. From the beginning of time, it's been all about Jesus. Since the fall of man in the garden, God prophesied about Jesus. It's all about Jesus Christ. And God revealing Him to humankind to save us. To save us. That's why we have the Bible. It's a revelation of God. And I'm not talking about, like I said up there, I'm not talking about the book of Revelation but it's a revealing of who God is and who He is for you and to you. The whole essence of Jesus coming was to further that experience when God came in the flesh to reveal Himself to us. And not just the person of Jesus Christ, but to reveal who He was, what He was, and what His mission was. And to fulfill the righteousness of the cleansing of sin from mankind. He had to come. There had to be a sacrifice. He had to be revealed as the Lamb of God that takes away the sins of the world. He had to be revealed. God had to wrap Himself in flesh so that He could go through everything that a man and woman goes through and never sin. And never sin. Becoming the perfect sacrifice. The spotless Lamb of God. That's why He's called that. Is because His revelation to us is He did what Adam in the beginning failed to do. Adam sinned and fell to sin. The second Adam is another name for Jesus. Came and never sinned. Completed the mission. And therefore thus building a bridge between us and God. So we can have access to God again. And be saved and miss eternal damnation. That is what Jesus came for. Now, this kind of ties in with what I'm going to preach today. Jesus' revelation uh, who He is. It's, a, it's for us to receive. Many people ask Jesus for something. But many people, because they don't know who Jesus is, because it's not 
been revealed to their own personal heart. Don't know what to do when Jesus asks something of them. But I want to I bring to that. There are over 300 questions that Jesus asked in the gospel. That's a fun fact for you. There's actually like 320 some, I believe, that Jesus asked questions that he asked. Now, everybody in here would probably agree with me if I said to you, if Jesus asked a question, it didn't mean he didn't know the answer. Can I get an amen to that? He knew the answer to all the questions that he asked. So why did he ask them? One has to wonder. Why did he ask? So that we would get the revelation. So that it could be revealed to us. Humans are very different. We have, like I told the Sunday school, you have the power of mentality. You have the power to investigate. You have reasoning power. You have the ability to understand. You have the ability for something to be revealed to you, something you didn't know before, and then take that revelation, place it in your life, and use it. That's the power of God's creation in mankind that no other creature on this planet has. But the information that God wants us to have, the most pertinent information, is often the information that's mostly neglected. And that's the spiritual side of things. The things that can save you forever and ever and ever. This is the mentality. This is the understanding that God wants us to have. And so he began by asking questions. So I listed just five. I'm not going to go through all the 300. People are going, is he going to go through all the 300? I got stuff to eat today. No, I'm not going to go through all of the questions. But I, I, I'll just scan through most of them. And I just wanted to bring up several because it was about Jesus, Jesus wanting us to understand. He asked a lot of questions. Uh, how people would answer some of these questions would reveal the condition of their own heart, whether they were thinking along spiritual lines or physical lines, whether they were thinking of evil and good, and it was intended for you to pick up on that. Not for Jesus. Because he already knows you and me. He knows the very intent of your heart. You know, you can't get anything over on Jesus. If I could establish that in your mind this morning, that's step number one. That you can't pull the wool over his eyes. He knows. So if he already knows, why don't you just come and confess it? So that he can take the next step. So that he can. The revelation to you is this. He already knows. And he wants to fix it in me. He wants to fix it. But the only way God can fix it. Is if you allow him to. God is not going to force himself upon you. But he wants you by your own free will. By the power of the mentality. That he gave you. To see the good. To see the need. And to see the want. And the desire in you. To come and let him fix it. Do you see how this works? This is amazing. This is the whole reason. So question number one. In Matthew 16. 13-17. Jesus asked. Who do they say. The son of man is. And two, question number two. Who do you say that I am? 
Now, Jesus knew the answer to that question. He knows every man's heart. He knows every man's intent of his heart. He knows your motivation. He knows the very motive of what's in you, of what makes you tick and the very things that you desire and the very things that makes you and compels you into doing the things you do in your life. So then why would he ask this question? I'm going to read it to you. When Jesus came to the region of Caesarea Philippi, he asked the disciples, who do people say that the Son of Man is? And you know, this question was leading them to the next question. Well, they replied, some say John the Baptist, some say Elijah, others say Jeremiah, or one of the other prophets. And then he asked them, but who do you say I am? Father, in the name of Jesus, we ask you to give us revelation knowledge under the anointing to speak the word of God. That you would speak and we would hear and transfer this through the power of this mentality into our hearts and let it transform our lives by your power, by what you do, not by what we do, but what you do. And God, we ask you to give us clarity in the scripture. And Lord, we ask you to speak to us and give us ears to hear in Jesus' name. Amen. Simon Peter said, you're the Messiah. Something had been revealed to Simon. He had received revelation through Jesus' life. Through what he seen Jesus do, through what he seen him say, hear him say, he received revelation about who Jesus was. He could feel this about him. Simon just blurts it out as he often did. You're the Messiah, the Son of the living God. What do you think about that, Jesus? And Jesus re replied, You are blessed, Simon, son of John, because my Father in heaven has re revealed to you, has revealed this to you. You did not learn this from any human being. So there being two actual questions in the passage, one just setting up the second one. Who do people say that the Son of Man is? And there were a range of answers. So when I asked the group this morning, I said, what is the Bible to you? There were a range of answers. A range of answers from people who's already had a revelation of Jesus Christ. Some said peace. Some said it's the Word of God. Some said it creates joy and happiness. Why? Because it's revelation. It's revealing of God. <clears throat> if that same question was asked in our society today, you would get that same thing, <clears throat> a whole range of answers. You would get some people say, well, you're a great teacher. You're a great prophet. The Muslims see him as a prophet, but not the son of God. The cults would range in answers to that questions. Some atheists would say, well, you don't even exist. There's no such thing. But the key question is not what others say he is, but who do you say that he is? How has Jesus Christ revealed himself? Listen to each one of you. Who is he to you? If Jesus Christ was to be standing here, and let's just say this, he is here. Because where two or more are gathered together in his name, the scripture says 
He is there. And he is in the midst. So I say to you in his behalf. Who is he to you? You know what people say about Jesus. That's not what was important. The important thing isn't what Jess thinks about Jesus. Or what I think about Jesus. Your eternal life depends on what you say. Jesus is to you. All of mankind will have to stand before the Lord one day. And that question will be asked and known. It will determine your entrance or your exit. Peter's answer was spot on. You're the Christ. Peter knew that Jesus was the Messiah. But he also knew that he was God's very own son. The truth of this is. Is it got revealed to him through the Father? Can you answer this question with absolute certainty? Absolute certainty. Because let me tell you, your life does depend on it. People listen. We love to look at the physical all the time. We talked about this in Sunday school. The physical isn't where real life is at. This place is going to end. One day that young body's going to be an old body if you make it. One day the teeth you have is probably going to be the teeth you don't have anymore. One day the life you have right now will be non-existent in this world. Pay no attention to this world. Give it not all that it's more, more than it's due. You have to answer this question. I have to answer this question. Can you answer it? If not, you need, need to do as, as those who did yesterday. Sincerely, if, you, if there's a question in your heart about who Jesus is to you, satisfy it, man. Fix it. Take the stand. Take the step. Fix it. It's just a prayer away. It's just a prayer away. Your life depends on it, on it. Question two that Jesus asked, one of the questions that he asked out of the, as I said, over 300 of them that we have recorded in the Gospels. We know there was a lot more than that, but this is what was recorded. Matthew chapter 20, 29-34, And as they were leaving Jericho, a large crowd followed him, and two blind men sitting by the road, hearing that Jesus was passing by, cried out, Lord, have mercy on us, Son of David. The crowd sternly told them to be quiet, but they cried out all the more, Lord, Son of David, have mercy on us. And Jesus stopped and called them and said, What do you want me to do for you? What a question to ask two blind men. Do you think Jesus knew the answer to that question? He wanted them to learn something from that question. And from their response, you can see what, their, what was going on inside of them. Obviously, there are two blind men sitting on the way. They've heard of Jesus. They knew He can do all these wonderful works. They just wanted to get their sight back, and that's all they were worried about, man. Do you see where I'm going? Do you see where Jesus is going? 
He stopped. What do you want me to do for you? Let me ask you that. What do you want from Jesus? What do you want him to do for you? Fix your car. Fix your bank account. Fix your body. What do you want from Jesus? What do you think he wants you to want from him? They said to him, Lord, we want our eyes to be opened. Moved with compassion, Jesus touched their eyes and immediately they regained their sight and followed him. A compassionate God, a loving God gave them, gave them what they needed in hopes that they would have spiritual sight. On the surface level, this seems like a strange question for Jesus to ask. On the one hand, it seems like it's quite obvious they're blind. But on the deeper level, this question is one that could be asked of all of us in here. It's an interesting question because it reveals the heart. In determining what is the most important thing to you, if Jesus asked you this question, what would you ask for? Would it be something physical or would it be something spiritual? Would you ask something for yourself? Or would you ask something for someone else? I told my old church, I said, you'll know you're growing up spiritually when most of your prayer time is praying for others. That's when you'll start learning that you're, you're, coming, you're, you're growing a little bit in Christ. Because why? Because God already, you already have this revelation that God knows what you need. And you are already depending on Him for it. And God knows your heart that he, you believe in Him for every single thing spiritual you need. And your concern's not for you because you love Him and trust Him with everything that you are, and so you spend your time praying for others. That's growing. That's spiritual growth. Listen to this. Are you praying for something temporary or something eternal? If God knows exactly what you have need of, what, do you, what, what can you expect from God? As a Christian, I've often told Tammy this, and she'll tell you, a problem will come along. A bill will come along. An issue will come along. And what do I say? God will make a way. This didn't take God by surprise. Let's move on. And God will do it. He's taken care of that. Let's move on. And has He always made it right? Has He failed us one time? You probably know the story, but it's worth noting that this similar question that God asked, He asked Solomon. Let's take a look at this. In 1 Kings 3, 5-14, through 14, in Gibeon, the Lord appeared to Solomon in a dream at night and God asked, ask what, uh, He says, ask what you wish me to give to you to Solomon. What is it you would desire? Solomon said this. Give your servant an understanding heart to judge your people. To discern between good and evil. For who is able to judge this great people of yours? 
It was pleasing in the sight of the Lord that Solomon had asked this thing. And God said to him, because you have asked this thing and have not asked for yourself long life. Nor have asked riches for yourself. Nor have you asked for the life of your enemies, but you have asked for yourself discernment to understand justice. Behold, I have done according to your words. Behold, I have given you a wise and discerning heart, he says, so that there has been no one like you before you, nor shall one like you arise after you. I have also given you what you have not asked, both riches and honor, so that there will not be any among the kings like you in all your days. See, God loves it when we get it. God loves it when we get it. You don't think that God knows what you have need of? He does. He wants you to understand that He does. He wants you to have the full revelation that He does. Solomon could have asked for anything. He asked for wisdom. He asked for wisdom because he put others above himself. The benefit of Israel. The benefit of Big Woods Church. For this to continue to go on. As I told the folks upstairs where I come from up north, an interesting thing happened. You know, I, I, I subscribe to the Licking Valley newspaper over the weekend. I get this every Thursday. So this past, this past week we got our paper and on the very front page of this thing was a big picture of Jesus and there was a manger scene and there was scripture on there and every single page you turned in the Licking Valley Courier, it was Bible. Do you know how illegal that is north of here? You cannot do that in Ohio. It is not tolerated. It is not allowed. Because people have lost this revelation. You can't do that there. You can't mention his name in school there. You can't put him in the paper like that. Especially one big gigantic listing of him. You, am, I, am I lying? You can't do that. 170 miles north of here. If you allow that mindset to creep down here, we will, I'm going to tell you, Within one square mile of the church I pastored, there were 85 other churches. I'm going to tell you that 70% of them are gone. They have Buddhists in them. I could drive you up there and show you this church of God, beautiful church of God, and then you'll go up there and you'll see people in turbans walking around, Sikhs from India. And I can show you Buddhists and I can show you Hindus in churches just like this one. Where the love of God failed, failed to exist in people's hearts, where people paid no attention to what God was wanting to do in their heart, where people couldn't answer God's question to them. We always ask of God, but we're scared to death. God might ask something of us. 
I can go show you. 85 men within a mile of me. That exists just north of here. Don't let it creep down here. Question number three, and I'll, I've got five. I've been going for 24 minutes and 10 seconds. Question number three. Jesus said this. What good is it to gain the whole world but to lose your soul? Jesus knew the answer to that question. If there's ever a person that knew the answer to that question, Jesus knew it. I told my church, both churches that I pastored before this one, I told the churches, if I could do one thing for you, if I had the ability to do it, if God would grant it to me in my prayer, I wouldn't show you heaven, I'd show you hell. So that you would want to miss that place. Because, you know, we're living in the age of entitlement. People think that they should have everything good handed to them. What good is it to gain the whole world but lose your soul? Mark chapter 8, 36 and 37. For what does it profit a man to gain the whole world and forfeit his soul? For what will a man give in exchange for his soul? What What a riveting question. Think about that. What he's trying to do here is to try to take your eyes off of the kingdom that you've built here. There's nothing wrong with having money. There's nothing wrong with having a great business. There's nothing wrong with having great homes, plural. But you can't let them have you. You can't let them have you. Here's a question that should bring great conviction to people when we read it. Many people spend a lot of money money getting degrees, getting training of all kinds to have what we call, and we talked about this, quote, a successful life. What's successful to you? And if it's money, how much? Is there ever an end to it? Is success to you a big house? And how much in your bank account? How much? And then we can label you a success. What makes a successful church? We talked about that. Is it just the number of people that come to church? Or is it a people that is intimately in relationship with Jesus Christ? That's a successful church. That's a church that this many people, listen, Jesus evangelized the whole world with just a few. Just He evangelized the whole world with less than sitting on this side of this church. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve. Okay, the rest of you? You think about that. Because Jesus' revelation of himself to them men was powerful. They knew who he was, and they wanted to do something with it. They wanted to show other people this. Without understanding and seeing spiritual things, one might, might only see success as a physical achievement. As I started believing and being convicted more and more of the Word of God, I remember being struck with the thought that all that I was working for didn't mean really much or nothing. Unfortunately, 
Many do not see this truth. And the question also speaks to the life of believers who live mainly for the here and now. And it reminds us that the eternal spiritual matters are the most important in this life and should occupy our time and our talents. There is a lot of talent in this church. We think talent is only singing or playing the guitar. That's not just the talent. We're going to talk about these gifts one of these days coming soon that God gives to people. Talents, not only physical talents. You're not just talented because you're an athlete. A lot of people say, well, that's a God-given talent. And yes, it is. But that's a physical attribute. What about the spiritual talents that God has given you to further the work of His kingdom? Stand with me. I'll not go on to the second two because I'm getting long-winded. 